everybody, it's Miss United States 2015 Summer Preacher, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Sam Chialda. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today started in pageants when she was 16 years old, capturing the title of Miss High School America 2011, and four years later crowned Miss United States 2015. Through pageantry, she was scouted by MMG model talent and celebrity management, and since signing with the agency, she has booked L'Oreal Cosmetics three times, was featured in Iron Man 3 and Gemini Man, walked in New York Fashion Week for multiple seasons, as well as received a callback from Victoria's Secret Pink. During her year as the national title holder for the Miss United States organization, she graduated with honors from the University of South Carolina, earning her bachelor's degree in fashion merchandising. She recently moved to New York City to further her career and passions. This past February, she began working full-time with MMG Model Management as their director of digital media and PR. She is currently developing their new influencer division that will contain four top-of-the-line artificial intelligence software integrations. Sounds crazy. In her free time, she enjoys creating and capturing her love of fashion and her life in New York City on her blog, 365daysofsummer.me. Since entering the virtual world of blogging, she has collaborated with top brand names such as Guess, Urban Decay, NYX Cosmetics, Riley Rose, Maybelline, Bebe, Toby, and Revlon, just to name a few. This 25-year-old sees absolutely no limits. I've seen her quite a few times over the past weekend as we have spent some time together at each of the pageants that I host. Summer Priester, great to have you on Life After the Crown. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me. I'm really excited about this. We've been talking for so long now for this fall, so it's like this is just a continuation of our conversations that we seem to have every weekend. Exactly. I feel like I've seen you every single weekend. You don't have to tell you, so... Well, let's tell everybody what you've been doing. So I host, obviously, for RPM. I've been doing uh, Alabama, Louisiana. We'll be in North Carolina next week and then South Carolina the weekend after that. Um, you are there with MMG doing a, a little bit of what we just talked about in the intro there, but kind of explain to everybody what your job role is. Uh, so, yeah, so I started with MMG this past February. I am their director of digital media and PR and I'm also their pageant correspondent. So I basically I handle all the pageant systems, make sure that we're all organized, Last season, MMG, uh, with the help of Robin from California and Florida, uh, actually integrated a one-on-one meet-and-greet where the contestants get to meet an MMG representative. They get to understand and be aware a little bit more about the entertainment industry, um, and we get to kind of scout. So it's, it's great for the contestants because a lot of these areas, they don't have the supplies or tools needed to actually uh, be in contact with an agency. Um, so it's great that not only they get to meet us, but we also get to meet them. We get to see them up close and personal. We get to see they, their facial features. We get to, get to know them a little bit and, about, and their personality. We're not just watching them from the stage, but actually interacting and forming a relationship. Uh, so 
So we started um, the season. We kicked it off with Texas USA. We met every single contestant. I believe there was about 87 contestants that we met, all beautiful and intelligent and accomplished women. Um, from there, we went to Alabama, uh, Tennessee, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then, like you said, we'll be in North Carolina. So it's been great. We've met some amazing, amazing talent, um, and especially in these small little areas. Uh, we just got back last weekend from Tunica, Mississippi. Uh, I don't know any other agency that is scouting <laughs> in such a small area, um, but you find these hidden gems, uh, and we, uh, MMG kind of prides itself about being a little bit of a rebel in the industry. Uh, they don't go with a stereotypical six-foot-tall, double-zero-size model. We book a lot of beauty and commercial campaigns, and also in film and TV, and those women are not six-foot-tall. They're not a size double-zero. Um, but they do have gorgeous faces and great personality. Um, and that's when the pageants really come in handy. There's just a different type of determination and skill set that a pageant girl actually brings to the table in the entertainment industry. A lot of women actually don't realize how similar a pageant can be to the casting process. Uh, we tell the girls this every single time we get to talk to them, that, you know, you're going into a pageant, you want to impress these five judges, you only have a few minutes to kind of do so, and that's kind of the casting um, process. You go into a casting, you hope that casting director picks you for that role or that project. So it's very similar. So we kind of have found um, a lot of success with our pageant models that we do um, represent. They kind of bring a extra edge into the industry. Well, I love what you guys do for the fact that uh, w- with kind of what you said, being the rebel in the industry, I-, I have to agree. You know, I'm around this stuff all the time as well. And a lot of these girls in these states that normally aren't scouted, they want to be models and they probably have the look or the, the opportunity to do so. But these agencies, um, especially the bigger ones, um, you know, I think they've gotten lazy. They pretty much say, look, if you don't live in LA or New York, we're not going to sign you. And I think that's terrible because I think, you know, the old days of when people went out and actually scouted across the country and found these hidden gems in the Midwest or in the South or up in the Northeast or wherever and pulled them out and made them into something special, those days are missing. And it's like you guys are kind of bringing that back to the forefront. So I actually love the approach that you and Jeff are doing. It's been fantastic. Like I said, we found some amazing talented hidden gems um, in the middle of nowhere. It's been great. Um, I mean, they found me uh, several years ago when I won Miss High School America. Um, I was in South Carolina. I was going to school. So on top of a full-time student, I was doing pageants. I had a really difficult schedule. Um, they were fantastic. They didn't want me to relocate as long as I was, as long as I could come uh, to a casting if a pick, then, you know, they were A-okay with my schedule. So, I mean, as MMG, we represent talent from across the country, which is fantastic. So we don't, you know, we don't split up families. Uh, we let the girls uh, finish out school. We're very patient. Uh, as Justin's probably mentioned, he's waited like four or five years for me to be in New York City. <laughs> like, we're very patient. <laughs> well, I, let's talk a little bit about your pageant career, because as you mentioned, that's where you were discovered. And you were one of the very few people that I've had on who has had the opportunity to win two national titles, High School America, Miss United States. Um, so you have a lot of different perspectives uh, than most people would on pageants. But I, I guess rewind to um, 11 was High School America. Was that your first year of competing? Uh, I guess what kind of drew you into it? Okay, so I guess, you know, first part of the story. Um, so I did pageants when I was a toddler. I kind of grew up in the pageant world. My aunt actually participated in pageants. She was part of 
uh, American Senior Miss, which is now called America's Distinguished Young Woman. So I always watched her compete. I always admired her. And it was kind of a big, kind of our holiday celebration as well uh, as kind of our holiday celebration. Well, I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> of our holidays, <laughs> our holiday celebration or like our Super Bowl when Miss USA or Miss Universe was on. So when I was younger, we would always gather around at my grandmother's house and watch it together as a family. And I just always admired the women that were on the stage. So I knew that was something that I wanted to get into. I just didn't really know how. Growing up, I actually went to a private school and about my eighth grade year, I decided to transfer into a public middle school. Uh, that was the first time I was kind of actually introduced to a pageant, personally, uh, besides watching my aunt on stage. And so I did my eighth grade pageant. I, I won. I won the Schofield. And I, I loved it. I loved being on stage. I was already a dancer, so I kind of already had that experience of being on stage and performing. But this time, I kind of, instead of dancing with a crowd or a group, I was, you know, I was performing alone. Um, and I loved that. So I was hooked. I wanted more. I didn't know how to get more. Around that time, there was a TV show on TLC called King of the Crown. It featured a South Carolina uh, pageant coach. My mom and I, we instantly got hooked on this television show. It became one of our favorites. We couldn't miss an episode. And all I wanted that Christmas was a one-on-one coaching experience with this coach. Um, his name is Frank Season, Columbia, South Carolina. So I, I got an appointment with him. It's probably the best day ever. Uh, and the man changed my life. Him and his partner, Corey King. I mean, I don't know where I would be without these two people. Uh, so they really got me escalated into the pageant world. Uh, they introduced me to the high school American system. Um, at the time, it was a fairly new system. Uh, it was going on their second year. Uh, the first year, it was held in Branson, Missouri, and this year, it was going to be held in San Antonio, Texas. All I could think about was this congeniality. Uh, <laughs> I was so new into the world. Uh, that's all I could think about. Um, so I had prepared for the state pageant. Unfortunately, the week of the state pageant, due to lack of participants, they had to cancel the pageant. So a girl was chosen to represent South Carolina, and unfortunately, that wasn't me. A little heartbroken, um, but I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. A few days later, I was on Facebook, and I ran across a message from the national director. Uh, she posted out, hey, I have one open state available. If anybody would like to participate in this high school America pageant this March, please message me. It must have been a sign or in God's path for me to see this message. I was the first one to respond to her. Uh, I get an email back from the national director saying, congratulations, you're Miss Vermont. Nice, first off, nice. Like, how, how am I going to pull this off? I'm, gonna, I'm from South Carolina. I do have a deep Southern accent. It comes out occasionally. How was I going to seem like I'm from Vermont? We didn't really know how that was going to work out. Um, fantastically, the system doesn't account for where you're from. Uh, they just account for, you know, your participation in school, your extracurricular activities, um, and just your involvement as well as what you would do with the national title. So pretty much brand spanking new into the industry, really didn't have that much experience. I had my great team behind me, great parents. We went to San Antonio, Texas. I went for the experience. Um, it was one full week uh, full of activities. We, I mean, we really got the red carpet treatment in San Antonio, Texas. It was fantastic. Uh, so dinner at Hard Rock Cafe, a private a riverboat tour on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, private tour in the Alamo. It, it was fantastic. Uh, but I, like I said, I just went for the experience. I 
didn't imagine myself winning. I hope to at least progress to the top 15 just because I'm a, I'm a competitor. I would like to make the cut. Uh, but that was my goal at the time. And then the final pageant happened. I kept progressing uh, from the 15 to the 10 to the top five. Um, and they start calling the names out, you know, fourth, third. There I was, uh, just two of us left. And I look at the first runner up. I'm like, you're going to have an amazing year. You're, you know, I'm so proud of you. Um, I've become really close with her throughout the week. So to actually hear my name called, I couldn't believe it. Um, I remember I literally could not stop crying. Uh, the hair and makeup artist, like, he had to tell me to stop crying. My, I see my parents, <laughs> they're crying. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember the day so vividly. Uh, so it was a wonderful day, and it really escalated my career to where I saw the potential. Um, something that I didn't really get to see back in my small town. I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina. It's, it's more of a retirement community. It's a very small, um, small town. Uh, so there's a lot of people go into where their parents go into work or family businesses. Nobody really progresses forward and escalates in their career. So I knew I wanted more. I just didn't know the stepping stone to do it. And winning the High School America definitely propelled me forward and gave me the idea of what I could do in the future. Um, so that's when I met MMG. Uh, they scouted me. I signed about a year later after I had spoken to them. And after that, it was a whirlwind. I still had the pageant bug, so I wanted to still compete. So I decided to do, actually, I did the USA system for four years. Um, I did it once in team and then three years in miss. All four years, I made it to the top five. Just wasn't my calling, but that was okay. Um, I did, then decided to turn a new page and go into the Miss United States system. At the time, it was going to uh, internationally to Miss World. Uh, when I competed, um, that was my idea or my thought process was, you know, if I won, I got to go to Miss World. Fortunately, that didn't happen. Um, I always tell people that it was the most rewarding and most challenging year of my life. You really, at that level, you really see who has your back and who uh, who doesn't. So it was a whirlwind. Uh, it definitely, that year really helped grow me into the person I am today. I don't think I would be able to handle living in New York, in, in New York City independently if I had not had that experience. So kind of going back in 360, I always believe that everything happens for a reason. Firm believer in that. And um, very, very blessed that I had the opportunity to hold two national titles. And I really account for who I am today uh, with the pageant industry. If I had never entered it, I don't think I would be the person I am today. So did you succeed Elizabeth Seyfried as Miss United States? I did. Elizabeth uh, Seyfried did crown me in 2015. So I was her successor. I looked up to her. I actually watched her uh, compete in this world. So she was really the one that inspired me to participate in the Miss United States. Well, I had her on uh, to talk about United States and then so Miss World. So you're saying the year that you became the national title holder was the year that the United States system separated from the Miss World competition. Unfortunately, it did. Yes. Um, I was under the impression that I was going internationally. So I was a little heartbroken to hear the news that I wasn't. That was, I heard the news about two weeks after I won. Uh, it was a little devastating, but you know, everything happens for a reason. It was just not in, not what, God's plan was for me. So I quickly realized that, quickly accepted it. And, you know, 
um, like I said before, it was the most challenging and yet most rewarding. That year, we had to deal with a transition year in, within the organization. So we had a change in directorship. Um, and with that, it always comes issues. It always comes a turnaround with sponsors. So that year, uh, my sister's claims and I, we lost a lot of our sponsors. So it was difficult uh, to basically kind of start from ground zero. Uh, I was very fortunate enough that I had met people uh, throughout the year, especially from this high school America, that were willing to step forward and help me um, have a successful year. And with those relationships, I formed new relationships, and they reached out. And, I mean, I, I would travel from Thursday night through Monday morning, go to class, uh, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and back on the road uh, by Thursday. So, on top of being in the United States, I was a full-on college student. So basically, mentally and physically, I was uh, completely exhausted by the end of that year. I can imagine. In 2015, what a crazy year in pageantry. So the United States separates from world, and then, of course, USA sold from Trump to uh, WMAIMG. Um, just a, a monumental year in the shift of where pageantry has gone in the last five years. So that's, that's really interesting to hear that. Now, uh, two years ago, um, you know, I host South Carolina. You came to compete at South Carolina in the Miss Division, and this was a yes. stacked lineup. I mean, we had you, and um, then, uh, of course, Tori Sizemore, who was runner-up at Teen USA, I think, in 2013, and then a couple others. I mean, we, we, we just thought, man, this is just a blockbuster lineup. Uh, we have no idea who's going to walk away. Of course, it came down to you and Tori. Uh, Tori ended up winning, but I, I mean, talk about that process, because I'm sure, you know, winning two national titles coming in, you got to have some confidence in yourself that, look, I'm going to be right there, if not win. Right. Um, that was a fantastic year. Um, as a competitor, I always admire a great lineup. Um, I want to, I want to compete with the best. And that, that year I surely did. And also, I mean, not only did I have confidence, uh, but also I had a lot of pressure going into it. Holding two national titles, people put a stereotype on you. And, you know, they were expecting the best, the best. And as a competitor, I, I trained very, very hard for this competition. Um, I was in the gym twice a day. My family was fully invested, not only financially, but also they did the process with me. So they would do the diet with me. Uh, they, my dad would go into the, go to the workout, to the gym with me um, and work out alongside of me. We were fully invested in with it because they, they knew coming from two national titles that I had a lot of pressure on my back. But by the end of the day, when I competed on the Missouri USA stage that year, I, I just, I just had to let it all out. I kind of knew I wanted to give South Carolina USA one last shot. I knew the hard pressure that I was going to have upon myself, um, but I didn't care. Um, I didn't. I never wanted to go through life saying, oh, what if? Like, what if I had done it one last time? Who knew? It might have been my year. So I wanted to give it one last try before moving on. Um, I knew eventually I wanted to move to New York City. It was all about timing. So I wanted to participate in the South Carolina USA system one last time to, you know, give it a shot, see if it was in God's path for me. If not, I was going to move to New York City, and ultimately that's what happened. Being next to Tori Sizemore, um, it was fantastic. She's an amazing competitor, amazing woman, so I was very honored to be up there with her. It was a great year. Do I wish I had won? Of course. I think everyone in the pageant, when you get that close, you wish it was you. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't interrupt God's timing uh, for, your, for your path, for your, uh, for your career. So ultimately, it was what was meant to be, and... If I had won, I'm not sure if I would be in New York City. Maybe if I had won this USA. Uh, but that's all about what if. So very, very glad that I participated one last time, gave it my all. I actually still have my dress hanging up in my closet. I can't. <laughs> Is that the red one? <laughs> Is that the red one? It's, it's, we call, yes, we call it Big Red. Um, actually, funny story. We at 
was like, this is an amazing deal. Um, <laughs> I have to get it. It's your size. We have to get it. I don't know if you're going to compete or not, but we have it. Um, so it did make the year a little easier. I had the whole entire wardrobe, so I didn't really have to go out and spend a whole lot. Um, I just had to mentally and physically uh, prepare for it. And I had an excellent team behind me, not only my family, but Angelo Frazier, probably, I mean, that man, he can whoop you into shape. Um, I had amazing interview coaches. Um, I had worked with one of the most incredible interview coaches uh, before he passed, Don Baker. Uh, So he had really prepared me. So I really, truly, um, that performance was for him. Uh, So I'm very, very grateful for everything that happened. And I'm really glad that I participated one last time. You are 25 now. Obviously, you I'm have your years. You have years of eligibility left if you want. But it, are you done? You you feel like this? You, you're ready to move <laughs> into professional life? That's a million dollar question. Uh, if you ask my boss Jeff Cohen, who's the owner of MMG, <laughs> he'll you know he'll set it down. He'll say no. Uh, he's not doing it. Um, so right now, I'm very very happy with where I'm at. I actually love being on the opposite side. Um, before working for MMG, I actually had the opportunity to kind of work backstage at Miss USA as the uh, social media person for the Perfect Face Cosmetics when they were the national sponsor. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I just love being able to help the girls. So that's kind of what we're doing now. I'm able, like I've been in their shoes, I've been in the contestant's shoes, and also in kind of giving them an opportunity other than the crown. It's very special. Uh, so I really love being on the other side of the pageant. My competitive spirit, yes, I, you know, give me a stage, give me a dress, you know, give me a mic, I'm ready to go. I would, I always love to compete, whether or not it's in the cards right now, I don't know. I can't predict the future, but I mean, I do have a few years uh, left, um, but we'll see. Uh, that's a million dollar question, but for right now, I think I'm, I think I'm happy with where I'm at. All right, so Jeff, if you're listening, buddy, she's safe. She's safe. You can keep her. You're totally good. So very good with that. <laughs> Well, let's talk about um, how you got into this job. Now, I know that he had recruited you as a model and you were signing and and doing things with like Maybelline and all those. But I think the influencer side of things is where I really want to concentrate because a lot of girls that are listening, influencer is a big term right now. It's, It's something that a lot of people want to be because, you know, if you're on social media, it's the way you can make money. And so Absolutely. I guess, how did you become uh, what we'll call a quote unquote influencer and, and connect with all those brands that we mentioned at the top of the podcast? So I became an influencer or in my mind, I became an influencer kind of when I started winning the pageant. When I won the High School America, I formed a relationship with Sherry Hill. Uh, being a Sherry Hill girl, I was always at market. Um, that kind of went Instagram and social media kind of was starting to become popular. So the best way around that time was being featured on other people's pages. Uh, I was blessed enough to actually be featured on her account multiple times, which helped grow my account. When I won Miss United States, that also propelled my brand forward. So after Miss United States, I, you know, I kind of, I was a little lost because you spent an entire year focused on one job and you're by the end of it, you're just mentally and physically drained. Uh, so I knew I kind of, I didn't want to go straight into the corporate world. Um, I kind of wanted to sit back and relax and kind of get my thoughts together and, you know, kind of give myself a little time. So then I started reading these blogs and looking at these social media pages. I'm like, I can do that. I mean, I always had people ask me, where did I get my shoes? Where did I get my clothes? What, you know, tell me about your vacation. Uh, so basically, that's what other bloggers and influencers were doing. I just wasn't putting it out on a personal level. 
Uh, so that's why I instantly started doing that. I formed my blog during my days of summer. It became very successful very quickly. And I was able to showcase my love for fashion and my love for travel and uh, lifestyle and beauty. Um, I got to express that on more of a personal level through social media. So once I started doing that, uh, a lot of the collaborations started to enter. First, I started with a few kind of not really known beauty brands, and then it escalated into Maybelline and Revlon and NYX Cosmetics and Riley Rose, which is the sister company to Forever 21. My dream client and dream collaboration was Guest. So when I received the email from them, uh, my day was made. Uh, it was <laughs> I, <laughs> To get a PR package from Guest and have a collaboration with them, just to think that, that my content was great. But when I started blogging, I really did a lot of research on it um, to see the type of content that was resonating with different types of audiences or audiences that I wanted to attract. Um, so I started following or looking at the influencers that I really admired that I saw had a similar style um, and creative spirit. And I kind of, I mean, quote unquote, copied them in a way, but it put my summer spin to it. Uh, so that's kind of how I started and with the whole collaboration. Um, and I just, I fell in love with social media. I love the whole aspect of the connection form of it, and especially Instagram. I started college actually as an art major. So I've always had that creative side about me. And I did not end up pursuing art as a career, but um, I went into fashion merchandising, got my degree in it. So kind of social media kind of allowed me to stick with that creative side. Um, and I didn't have to lose it, but I also kind of got to form the fashion and the tech side that I also love. Um, so I got to intertwine those with it. So that happened. I moved up to New York. Initially, when I moved up to New York or had the thought process of New York, I wanted to live here for one solid year. I wanted to give it a shot just to say, hey, I lived in New York for one year. I did it. I crossed it off the bucket list. Not a lot of people know kind of how I got up here. Um, it was a spontaneous decision. Um, I actually packed up three suitcases and moved into a model house. And this model house was not associated with MMG. It was just a model house um, that I connected through friends with. Um, I lived with 14 girls. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, it was quite the experience. Um, I had a bunk bed. Um, <laughs> the inside scoop. Uh, I, I haven't told anyone this. Uh, so I had a bunk bed. There was 14 of us um, in one apartment. Um, oh, my Lord. And coming from, I'm, I'm an only child. So that background, you know, I basically jumped into a sorority house, which I was a part of the sorority through college, but I never actually lived in the sorority house. So I still got that sorority <laughs> house feel when I moved up to New York City. So I did that for a while. Um, I originally came up here for modeling. Um, as industry, it's kind of, it's not a guarantee. Um, you can have a really good year or you can have a really bad year. You can have a really great month and then, you know, you can have a really bad month. You can't predict it. One thing's trendy one day, the next, you know, the next week is out of fashion. And it's funny the difference that what the casting director is looking for each time. Um, you really can't read their mind. So last year, um, before I moved, I had a very great year in the modeling industry. So that was my initial thought process when I moved up here. I was going to do several modeling jobs. It was going to be fantastic. Give it one solid year and kind of move back home and settle down. Probably about three months into it, I got hooked. And I started discussing this with Jeff from MMG. I was like, I want to stay up here. I just, you know, I can't really rely on the modeling industry. It's not 
financially stable. And he started talking about his ideas for the company, how he wanted to grow the company. And one of it was expanding into the digital media and influencing world. And literally, a light bulb lit up. I pitched myself for the job uh, right on the spot, and he hired me. Uh, he had never had someone that was passionate enough to actually deal with his creative, crazy ideas and actually want to grow another part of the company. Um, and I was willing to do so. Uh, what I loved most about it was he had a different perspective on how I'm going to go about it. Um, not just with the basic insights of social media person and pitching them based off of the followers, but actually going a little bit deeper and integrating AI software into it that we can even see deeper insights. We can actually see the true reach of an influencer. So let's say on their page, they have 100,000 followers. On our software, we can see if that is true or if they have 50,000 or less. And that's verified information. We can also see what their audience is interested in. We can see their top content and help them develop content that's similar so that their engagement increases. Uh, we can see their full demographics and it breaks it down not only by the country, but also um, by the state as well as the city. We can see really insightful information and also we can um, collaborate with companies, pitch them with the information through their media kits. Uh, create and monitor a full-on campaign and actually see the estimated monetary value per post of the influencer, which is fantastic. We can see the money, uh, the advertising dollars that were generated per post. So I love the fact that we have kind of taken a different approach um, with our influencer division and really incorporated a lot of tech. Um, another one of our softwares, we can actually break down the persona of not only the influencer, so we can take anything that from Twitter, Facebook, or blog post and run it through our software, and it will kind of break down their personality based off of what they posted. Uh, we can all, not only do that, but we can take it, take it to the brand size and find out the persona of the brand, what they're looking for, as well as the person that we're pitching to. We can see their persona and the best way to kind of approach them. It's really cool. I, you had asked me a year ago if I would be into AI software and digital media. I would have told you no. He told you you were crazy. Um, but it's a very exciting world. Um, and I just love that I'm able to be a part of a company that I'm able to expand not only my creative side, but kind of bring a new new me to the, to the table. Well, I want to talk more about the AI stuff here in a second. But before we get there, um, since you're heading up the uh, what, we'll, what we call the influencer division, um, that is a word that is thrown around so much today. Influencers, influency, influence. How, as an agency, as girls mm -hmm. are, you know, continuing to either grow their social media followings or grow their influence in a certain niche, how do you define influencer from your standpoint? Is it just somebody who can make money? Is it somebody who has a certain amount of followers? I'd be interested to know what that word actually is defined as. Great question. Um, we were actually in the office talking about this the other day. So, I mean, originally an influencer was you had to have X amount of followers. Um, so that was probably 100,000 followers and up. Uh, nowadays, you see it kind of gravitating more to a particular niche. So it's moving down the scale to a nano uh, influencer and a micro influencer. So a nano influencer is someone who has like 500 to 10 or less than 10,000. And then your micros are 10,000 to 50,000. And it's generating more towards those because they're able to reach a 
particular audience. So they really have honed in onto what their niche is. So let's say for me instance, I'm in the micro influencer uh, part. I have almost 30,000 followers, but I have honed into that I want fashion and beauty. So if I do put out a beauty product, it's more likely that my audience will go and view that beauty product and possibly buy it versus, you know, your Kylie Jenner's. Yes, you know, they have millions of followers and yes, they get millions of likes, but they have, they hone into different markets. They don't go into one particular niche. So I would just find an influencer today, especially using our software, is someone with a true reach. So we want to see someone that with 10,000 followers who has a 10,000 10,000. If you know, if you have 3,000 followers, I want to see that you have a 3,000 true reach. Uh, So I would base your base an influencer off their true reach nowadays. Um, But the great thing about it is that there's different levels of influencing, um, which is going to really change the market. And we're very excited because everyone has to sit somewhere, and so we're really interested in the nanos and the micros. Then let's let's just do a real time example for everybody listening, and I'll totally put myself out there for this. So let's take me, okay? I don't have a lot of followers. I never have. It's just not something I concentrate on that much. I don't really care that much. What I did care about when I started the podcast was I want to help people, and I saw a very particular niche in the pageant world that needed help, and so I said I'm going to create an avenue to help them. Now, if you look at my numbers, you're thinking, God, this guy's not an influencer. How could he possibly be an influencer? Yet. I do have a lot of influence in the community and I have a lot of listens um, to the podcast. So I would be interested how you would take something like, you know, me or life after the crown and look at that. And then how would you get into your AI software and digest like what is Tim's true reach and how does it actually work? Great question. I think for the fact that you are honing in on one particular market that is untouched, social media is, was formed to connect people and also kind of give guidance. So the fact that you have honed into a market that has been untouched that people are looking for advice. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and how she built her empire was basically giving people advice and helping people out. And the fact that you have put yourself into an industry that is not a mass market, could it be? Yes. But there's not a lot of advice given, especially like truthful advice. Uh, A lot of people sugarcoat it. And the fact that you're very honest and you guide them and you help them and you give them advice that are very useful, not only in the pageant world, but also in real life. Um, Yes, I would define that as an influencer. As for our company, we do, as far as knowing who is an influencer, we are accounting a true reach. So if we look at yours, uh, I think I actually looked at yours the other day. It was very, very close. Very close. And it's not about getting a thousand likes it's not it's just your main audience is really kind of it's either looking at it it's they viewed your page they viewed your post they have commented they have likes but it's not all about the numbers well, and I, and I wouldn't think it would be, you know, because as you mentioned, you know, there, there's nano and micro and then you get up into the big ones like you know, right. Hannah, Hannah Brown, who went from 10,000 to two and a half million in six months because, you know, of her television exactly. exposure. I mean, there there are different levels of influence there. And so I think I, I think for a lot of people, especially younger ones listening who when they hear influencer, all they think is numbers. You get into that realm of, well, maybe I should go buy a bunch of followers. And I'm sure with your AI software, you can totally see that from a mile away that, oh, this is not a real 100,000 follower exactly. account. And, right. Um, and a lot of people did that back, um, back when it first started because it was a number game. Um, a lot of companies, they were looking for collaborations. 
they were looking for the follower amount. So if just, you know, people wanted a collaboration that they wanted to get paid for their posting, they wanted to boost that follower account. And it's not it's not an easy process to do that. But I would, you know, I would say clear, even if you're getting into Instagram, you have to be patient with it. Um, you have to grow your follower account organically. It might take a long process, but at the end of the day, it is going to benefit you in the long run if your follower account is organic. And at, with our software, we can see that. So basically, the verified reach is your organic reach. So at the end of the day, that's the most important. And whether you have 500 to a million, as long as you know those are organic followers, it's, that's the best route to do it um, in these circumstances. And especially the route that it's going um, as far as collaboration and marketing turns. Well, I think it's fascinating that you guys can track so much with this artificial intelligence software. Now, I know you and Jeff and I have talked at breakfast at one of these pageants kind of about this, and I know it's something that is very much at the forefront of the industry right now, and it's, I'm sure, been a big learning curve for you. As you mentioned earlier, you didn't think you'd be doing this a year later, but I guess talk about how what you're able to track and what you're able to, uh, you know, pull from that information allows you to develop influencers uh, from, for instance, the pageant community. Um, right. So, um, like I said earlier, we can not only see the insights, let's say, that Instagram or Facebook is giving you, but we go a little bit deeper than that, um, not only verifying your reach, uh, but going with your demographics. We can see not only the country, but also your state and your, um, the city. And that really helps as far as the timing of a post. Because everyone's on a different time zone, if you if your audience is more inclined in LA versus you know New York or South Carolina, um, you're going to be posting at a different time than I would here in New York City. Uh, so timing does you know play a part, and we can help justify that. Our software does see or does show your top and your most engaging posts, which is really helpful and to see what is resonating with your audience. Um, so there we can. Sh- share with our clients and share with our influencers, hey, these are the type of posts that you need to be posting in order to keep your followers engaged, whether it's the type of colors that you're using, the type of background. Are you, do you, are you wearing sunglasses versus not? Are you smiling versus not? A lot of that does come in play when it comes to creating content and whether or not you're creating good quality content. We were actually discussing this the other day was what was good quality content? I mean, you see people post a blurry selfie and they get a thousand likes versus someone who posts a beautiful photo in New York. And we can even do this on a personal matter as far as the MMG account. Um, we'll post a gorgeous photo of a model versus a, our landscape photo of New York City. And our landscape photo of New York City gets twice the amount of engagement of, from our model. It's funny what resonates better with others as for the fact that we are in New York City. Landscape photos do have better engagement overall versus someone with a photo. Uh, people kind of they want to see what's going around in their environment or their community. So we have found that that was, that kind of generated more engagement on a personal matter as far as the MMG account. My personal thing, I've, you know, the phones these days have come out with incredible cameras that you don't really need a professional camera. You can pretty much do everything on your phone. And they have created so many different apps nowadays that you can filter your photos as far as creating um, different presets which allows the photos on your feed to be more cohesive and coloring um, and flow better together. And usually those generate more engagement versus ones that are very scattered. The content that gives you advice, um, helps you out with a problem that you're having, boosts your day, gives you some positivity, 
those those posts really um, generate well with audience too, um, because people are always looking for more knowledge. Everyone everyone has a um, a desire to learn learn more, um, especially in social media because it's not black or white. It's, it's the algorithms constantly changing. Uh, Instagram's always throwing a loop somewhere. Uh, Facebook changed the other day. So, so the fact that it's not a black and white industry yet, um, people are always looking for tips and tricks uh, when it comes to social media. So let me let me ask you this from an uh, influencer standpoint. When you're looking at how to choose someone, so I own a couple of small businesses, and if I advertise on okay. social media, I know how much it costs per click to get my client, and I also know how much you know my return on investment I got for the money that I spent was. So from that point standpoint, I can scale my advertising budget and say, okay, I'm going to spend this much and get this many people. When you guys are looking at influencers. Have you quantified, I guess, to the point now where uh, this many followers equals this much money or is it this much engagement equals this much, you know, because you talked about how you you can literally figure out like how much a post is worth. Uh, I'm interested to know, like when you're looking at somebody to sign, what are you actually, Mm -hmm. what are the quantifiable things that you are looking for to say, this is somebody that I want to sign because they can make money? So when it comes to figuring out the actual, how profitable an Instagrammer is or an influencer is, um, we do actually, our program kind of takes the organic reach, which is their verified reach plus their engagement, and then calculates the exact profit that they would earn per post. So we do have a software that can calculate that. So we know going in, we are doing more of an approval process. So we will, with any uh, influencer that wants to come on board um, for MMG, we will most likely do an uh, approval process to make sure that they don't have a bunch of bots, that their 100,000 followers or whatever amount of followers that they have is verified and that they are reaching a true organic um, audience. So we're taking multiple um, factors into account when we're finding an influencer. So when you take the organic reach plus the engagement and get a, a number, is that something yeah. that you then print out and take to, you know, your advertising clients and say, Hey, we've got this girl. We think she'd be great for your brand. This is how much her posts are worth. This is how much we want you to pay her. Is that kind of how that situation works when you're marrying up the two? Well, most of our, well, our bookers actually handle all the negotiations when it comes to any of our talent, any of our influencers with the brand. Um, they're incredible uh, negotiators. Uh, so they're, we give them the material to pitch. And in their magical way, they pitch our client and they can come out with incredible um, profit at the end of the day. So sometimes it can be double what um, our software says. They're just that good at negotiation. Very cool. Well, this is real. I mean, I think for everybody listening, this is probably stuff they definitely have not heard. So really cool information there. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I know you're going to be in a couple of states with me uh, in the upcoming weeks in both Carolinas. Is there anywhere else you're going to be? And I guess when you are there, for anybody in the Carolinas listening or wherever else, what is it that you and Jeff are looking for right now? Great question. So our next trip is to North Carolina. We actually have um, staff members heading to Pennsylvania this weekend as well as Maryland next weekend. Um, but Jeff and I will be in North Carolina, and we'll be in South Carolina, and then we head to uh, Houston, Texas for Texas Teen USA after um, Thanksgiving. Uh, so we'll be there, and then we kind of have a break. Um, I think I might be, if, if it is confirmed that this universe is in Atlanta, Georgia, I'll probably make an appearance there. Um, as far as what we're looking for, that's a hard one. We are, I mean, obviously all these girls are beautiful, they're intelligent, they'll have success. Um, 
when we get to see them up close, we can see uh, the symmetry. We can see um, whether or not they are going to be photogenic. Um, we can see knowing what the market is and the different jobs that we have booked and our, who our clients are. We know kind of the different looks that we want and what is profitable right now. And we're also looking for a girl who has a fantastic personality. A lot of, a lot of times, like I said earlier, the pageant is very similar to a casting process. So we want the girls to be able to win over the casting director, just like the girls try to win over the judges. Um, they showcase their personality through a pageant. And that really has an edge when it comes to winning a, a, a project for a role. In circumstances, kind of actually, for example, um, she's not a pageant girl, but we had a job a few weeks ago. Um, the casting director was looking for a local hire. Now, mind you, we do not tell our casting directors where our talent is from. We, it's an even playing field. Um, so they're unaware, but we create different packages. Uh, they were looking for a Middle Eastern uh, looking young lady. So we created a package for our casting director. We put this little girl's uh, photo in. She's six years old. She has barely any experience. The cast director first off loved her look, uh, then wanted to schedule a couple of Skype meetings. After being able to meet her, um, they just fell in love with her personality. We told them that they were from Houston, Texas, and they didn't care. They wanted her for the part. They loved her personality. She had the she had the look for the role. Um, but at the end of the day, her personality and if the girl walked in, I mean, everyone would fall in love with her. Uh, she's come into the office multiple times, and we just can't get enough of her. But really, at the end of the day, personality can thrive. And you can kind of see that on stage on through a pageant as well. Um, those judges are looking for a personable and a relatable young woman uh, to represent that crowd. Because not only are they going to have that glamorous experience of taking photos and uh modeling and they want someone to you know be able to present themselves very well and look great on stage but they also want that girl that's going to be approachable that can go out in their community talk with little kids you know inspire them so they don't want someone that stands offish and that's kind of the same way as far as the casting process too mm -hmm. so as far as what jeff and i are looking for um we're looking for great talent and the fact that we find people from across the board, from all ages, um, all talents. Like we have singers, we have dancers, we have hosts, we have esport gamers, poker players, uh, models, actors, influencers, celebrities. And basically, if you have a talent, we can basically manage you and we can find you a market to make you profitable. Uh, but as far as what we're looking for in pageants, and when we go to these pageants, it's just that hidden gem that didn't have that opportunity if we hadn't gone down there um like i said we were in tunica mississippi there's I, I don't know another agency that would be going to tunica or we were in louisiana and uh, alabama the other weekend i don't know how many agencies would actually fly in to see these girls um and they're missing out um i mean i can testify knowing these girls for several years being in the industry or in the pageant world uh, pageant girls just have a different demeanor about them, and they're very under underestimated in the industry, uh, which we like because we know how incredible they are and how much of an edge they have. We don't mind if the other agencies overlook. Uh, it kind of plays to our advantage, uh, but we just, it's been fantastic being on the other side and meeting these women. Um, when we were actually in Texas uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, I was just blown away about how accomplished these young women were. There was one that was a three-time World Olympic baton twirler, professional horse barrel racer, um, a horse broker, lawyer, um, captain of a, the Houston Texans cheerleading team, 
a girl that works for NASA. I mean, these women are just so accomplished and they're just so underestimated in the industry. So I love the fact that we're able to kind of give them that opportunity that they might not have had if we had not been there. Well, then let me say something to everybody listening, because uh, I've had a chance to, to obviously spend some time with Jeff and Summer, watch what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. And I, I got to say, it's a, a welcome opportunity and open door for those of you listening who, you know, I think otherwise, you know, if you live in a smaller market or if you live in a city and, you know, the options are either try to go to New York or L.A. or sign with a, you know, a, a metropolitan agency, um, I think what you find a lot of times is that, you just become one of a big pool of people that are shopped every time a job comes open or you're talked down to because, you know, you don't exist in their market or what they want or, or where they are. And what MMG done is, is kind of just knock that door down and there's no barriers there. I mean, when you talk to Jeff and Summer, they talk to you like, you, you know, you're a real person. They don't talk down to you like you're, you know, just a number on the wall. Um, and I think that's the great thing about it is so so wherever you guys are going to be at, you know, for those of you listening who are in those areas, I mean, take advantage of it. I mean, the, this is an opportunity to sign with a quote unquote New York agency, but be able to do things from where you live and still be able to, you know, get big jobs. I mean, you heard some of the, the brands that we talked about with Summer in the beginning, and she's from Aiken, South Carolina, which Aiken's not very big, right, Summer? It's not very big at all. <laughs> so I just, I love what you guys are doing. I just, I wanted to say that, and I mean that genuinely. This is not some, you know, shout, shout out for them, you know, that they're paying me for. I, I literally do mean that, and I, and I'm just excited to see what you guys are doing. And of course, I'll see you guys this weekend here in South Carolina. One more thing I want to talk about before we get to your uh, questions is okay. uh, we mentioned that you were in two movies, uh, two movies that are pretty recent, Iron, yeah. Iron Man 3, maybe that one was a few years back, and Gemini Man, which one is very recent. You've made appearances in both of those movies. Talk about it. I did. Um, so for a few years ago, um, I had the opportunity to be on set um, as a featured extra in Iron Man 3. I was a bathing beauty. Um, of course you were. Wilmington. <laughs> of course. I was a pageant girl. That was the easiest role I could play. I spent three days in Wilmington, North Carolina, long hours. Uh, we uh, I remember filming all all through the night. Um, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, when you watch the movie, it literally the scene makes no sense at all. Um, it was you could have easily cut it out. However, the saving grace was Stan Lee. I'm a big, huge Marvel comic geek. Uh, so not only was I just thrilled to be in Iron Man three, but also having having the opportunity to meet Stan Lee and be in his presence. And so the fact that he was in that scene, uh, that's just kind of the reason why I got. as well. 
so yeah, we just had to be another bathing beauty. I guess that's my, you know, my role that I get to play in all the movies. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, any, any, any movies that are looking for a bathing beauty, I got you. Um, but they have both been fantastic. Um, I love that I've been able to kind of see different parts of the entertainment industry that I'm not only sold on one. Um, I love the whole modeling side. I've always loved being in front of the camera. I get to still be a part of the pageant industry and help the girls out with that, as well as, you know, being on set with the acting and film and commercials. So it's been overall a fantastic experience. And uh, being in those two movies, I'm very grateful. I haven't haven't had the opportunity to see Gemini Man. We've been on the road for the entire month of October. My parents actually got to see it. They think they saw me. So we we hope the scene didn't really get cut out. Um, But I will get to see it this weekend. I'll let you know. Summer Priester Bathing Beauty. That is your new persona. Very good. Yep, that works. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into our uh, Get to Know Summer Priester questions. Ten questions, to, totally for fun. Okay. Um, I found these last night. I think you'll like them. Are you ready? All right, I think I'm ready. Let's All right, here we go. Number one, what shows are you currently into? Well, okay, so I don't have cable in my All right, number two, what's your claim to fame? I think the starting point would have been Miss High School America. That was kind of the opening door to, to the world of possibility as far as fame. That was kind of when people started to know who I was. So I guess that would be my claim to fame. <laughs> okay, perfect. Number three, Jeff Cohen, if you're listening, put headphones on. Are you usually <laughs> early or late? I'm usually on time early. Um, Talk about him, like I'm, I'm the one that like scheduled to make sure that we're where we need to be on time. So I usually beat him out. I wake up early. I'm an early bird, so that's early that's bird. All right, number four. What quirks do you have? Okay, so my quirk would probably be like different facial expressions that I make. Either that, or I giggle a lot. Um, <laughs> I've been told I giggle a lot, uh, so that would probably be a quirk. Um, that works. All right. Number five, how often do you people watch? All the time. I'm in I'm literally in the city for people watching. <laughs> <laughs> I get to see I mean I'm in on an island with eight million people. I get to see people every single day. Um, and you get to see literally no two days of the same here in New York City. Not just talking about my job, but just, just walking to work. Um, you see a vast variety of people. So I'm definitely in the place for people watching and I get to do it every single day. It's a lot nice. of fun. Nice. All right, number six. Uh, what is your favorite drink? And when I say drink, it could be anything from coffee to alcohol. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, I'm a big coffee person. Um, I would choose coffee over alcohol. Um, occasionally, I do like a glass of wine, but I'm a total coffee person. Um, I, I like my tall or venti skinny vanilla lattes from Starbucks. That's usually my normal order. So, yeah, I'm a coffee drinker. Okay. Can't function now- without it. Number seven, what do you hope never changes? Dang it, Tim. I thought you were going to do like, you know, at least be. <laughs> I started no. like, listening to some of your podcasts. It was like, favorite song. I was like, okay, I got that one. I think for me personally, like, I hope I never change. Like, I hope I never change for one person. I never hope I change for a job. I, that was my initial kind of fear coming into New York. Uh, growing up in the South, we 
we do kind of stereotype on New York and Northerners. Um, so I never want to become one. And not saying that's a bad thing. I've met so many incredible uh, people here in New York and actually true New Yorkers. Um, and they're very helpful and uh, can help me get to one place or the other. And anytime I'm lost, they're very extremely helpful. But like I said, I just hope that I don't personally change. I didn't want to change for New York. I didn't want to kind of come, in a sense, like harder. Like I wanted to kind of, I, I'm a person that wears my heart in my sleeve. I look for the best in others. So I never wanted to change that about myself. And I really hope that my environment, that my job and um, situations never allow me to change who I have become. Okay. But I just grow and grow further into who I am. Number eight, what is your dream car? My dream car, um, it would be a black Range Rover. I don't really care what make or model. I just want it to be black and a Range Rover. Uh, hopefully someday. Okay. All right, number nine. What TV channel doesn't exist currently, but really should? There should be a pageant network. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, like, network. like crown, crowned <laughs> network or queen network or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, you know pictures all the pageants, you know, goes behind the scenes, interviews all the pageant girls. Yeah, that would certainly help my cause, wouldn't it? My gosh. Exactly. We just put you on the network now. Well, I'll just develop a television show out of this thing. Not a problem. That works. All right, number 10. Last one. What songs or what song have you completely memorized? Front to back, you know it like, you know, as soon as you hear it, you can sing the whole thing. No problem. It would probably be a Taylor Swift song. Uh, it would probably be The Man. Uh, I'm not going to sing it for you because I do not sing well. You do not want to hear me sing. I will break glass. Like, That's okay. Not <laughs> a good idea. Definitely Taylor Swift so right now. That song is pretty easy to, easy to learn. Well, very good. Well, you're off the hook. Nice job. I know those were a little more challenging than you expected. They are. I was not expecting that. I was expecting favorite song or <laughs> favorite food. I was not expecting that. Well, hey, it was great to catch up with you. And uh, by the way, thank you so much for sharing all that uh, information on influencers and just the AI technology and just all that. I mean, I think if people were fascinated by that information as well as I was. So uh, certainly you and I will be talking more about that in the future. But uh, obviously, I'm going to see you in North Carolina this weekend. So I'm excited about that. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Um, I hope people uh, got a little bit more insight into the digital influencing world um, and that I can answer a few of their questions. Um, thank you so much for asking the questions you asked and allowing me not only to share my experience, um, but kind of, you know, let me dive deeper into it. So thank you. You bet. I'll see you in a couple of days. Sounds good. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Summer Priester for her time. Now, if you want to follow Summer on social media, you can check out her Instagram and Facebook at Real Summer Priester or check out her blog website, 365daysofsummer.me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of James 1, verses 26 and 27. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. See you next week, everybody. Thank you.